I V M I V M Hello and welcome to the Wire Talks I'm Siddharth Bhatia The recent news reports of a pharmaceutical company spending over 1000 crore rupees to promote its paracetamol dolo have revealed what is very well known in medical circles the company has uh, come out and said that it barely spent 6 crores or less than 10 crores and the larger figure was the promotional budget of all its drug but it is no secret that pharma companies are aggressive when it comes to wooing doctors and hospitals to push their products with trips fully paid conferences and much much more <clears throat> does this harm or help the patient and does it compromise the medical community our guest today dr sanjay nagral has written extensively on this issue a mumbai based surgeon of liver and pancreatic surgery dr nagral is the head of surgical gastroenterology at jaslok hospital in bombay a regular co- columnist in many papers he is the publisher and on the editorial board of the 30 year old indian journal of medical ethics and had co-edited a book on healthcare corruption in india that was a pretty strong book sanjay we'll come to that in a second welcome to the wire talks dr sanjay nagral thank you thank you siddharth uh, happy to be here we are talking to a largely lay audience so how do you explain the implications of the massive promotional budgets for medicines and how does it work in practice right so you know uh, siddharth you know all most of us uh, you know would be consuming uh, some form of medicines either on a regular basis or uh, when we have an illness and of course having just gone through covid i think uh, most of us have been exposed to uh, some medication or the other now uh, the issues that uh, came up with uh, this controversy around dolo uh, and as you said in your introduction that uh, the promotion of medic medicines uh, uh, is not a new phenomenon and uh, even unethical marketing is not at all new a new phenomenon neither is it a phenomenon particular to to india it's a global phenomenon uh, however uh, if you look at it from uh, average citizens viewpoint when they go to a doctor uh there is of course uh, they they put a trust and uh, in there's an implicit trust uh, in what the doctor prescribes and it is generally assumed and it is generally maybe also the case that what the doctor prescribes is in the interest of the patient it is uh, rational the doctor's decision is based on science rationality and of course the doctor also considers the cost of the drug uh however when you have a uh, in the background a large industry like the pharmaceutical company which is trying its best to make a impact in various ways some legitimate but some certainly bordering on on the illegitimate or the corrupt to to change their prescription practices or impact their prescription practices it becomes a issue for every citizen of uh, 
of any country in terms of the medicines that they are being prescribed. And I'm going back to COVID again to say that we saw this in COVID. Uh, and that's why I'm bringing it up because in the recent memory that there was a phase when all sorts of medications were prescribed. We know that, uh, of course, there was fear. Of course, there was uh, a little bit of uh, fear of the unknown disease. But I can su- suggest that uh, there's a lot, there was a lot of this kind of gaming not necessarily by corrupt means, but by actually controlling the narrative. And so therefore, pharma companies pushed medications both through the media as well as through promotions to doctors of medications, which later on were shown to be completely useless, uh, uh, not just not helping, but even harmful. So I think this is a big issue from uh, people's viewpoint. And whilst we don't want to moralize on it, in, in my view, it's a public, uh, it's a public issue. How does it work in practical terms? How does uh, the whole system work uh, so that the doctor, uh, that medicine is uh, top of the mind for the doctor? Uh, The media you mentioned, but in terms of interacting, how does it work? Right. So, you know, pharma companies uh, have have to sell their drug. And so therefore they have multiple strategies. One of them is the a medical representative who is a, basically a salesperson who visits the doctor and uh, in a rather quick fashion tries to explain to the doctor uh, what this medicine is, why is it better than the other brands, etc. Now we have, of course, we must remember that in India, we have hundreds of brands. So they have to try and push the doctor to prescribe their brand, which is one out of hundred. So it's a challenge. And they use various strategies. Uh, uh, some of them could be legitimate, but some of them certainly border on the on the disingenuous. Some of them border on uh, even uh, obfuscation, misinformation. Uh, now, if it were only this, the, that would be uh, that would perhaps even be uh, tolerable. But uh, it of course goes beyond this, and it's very clear that they want to influence the doctor by offering freebies. Uh, incentives uh, either directly uh, to the doctor, uh, which is in the form of, uh, you know, if you, if you saw the statement of the Microlabs vice president uh, in the context of the Dolo, he said, well, we didn't really give big freebies. We just gave them notebooks, pencils, uh, uh, sanitizers, blah, blah, blah. So he was actually normalizing uh, uh, that act, you know. Uh, so that's how it starts. And then, of course, it goes on to sponsorships for uh, meetings, conferences. But, you know, there's another two or three unrecognized ways in which uh, they push medicines. The, 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 the other unre- slightly underrecognized ways that they actually uh, fund uh, professional organizations, uh, medical professionals organization, including organizations like the Indian Medical Association, which once, up, once upon a time in the eyes of a, of a major storm because they had received uh, uh, fees from pharma companies. Uh, and also, they, of course, have impacts on hospitals. Now, the hospital impact is, interaction is a little different. What they would do is that they would push a hospital to keep only their brand, which could be uh, one of 100 brands. And as you know, many hospitals will insist that the medicine should be bought or would be only available through the hospital when you're admitted to hospital. So obviously, that's a big area where uh, there is an influence on the prescription. Now, there are countries who have tried to uh, make a distinction between what is legitimate and ethical 
and what crosses the line. And in fact, there have been interesting even court judgments across the world where uh, people have actually said that you have crossed the line. So, for example, there was a famous judgment in Europe uh, uh, about eight, 10 years ago where, where there was a, a large group of doctors were uh, sponsored for a skiing holiday in Switzerland. So that is a practice that clearly rankled everybody. But what is perhaps more common is, as I said, you know, small gifts uh, and uh, sponsorship for travel, for meetings, etc. Incidentally, uh, many doctors feel when you talk to them that, you know, they say that, look, it doesn't affect us. We do not really get impacted by these freebies. But there is enough work and evidence which shows that prescription practices change when you are being uh, offered freebies and uh, sponsor because it is the uh, it, it works at sometimes a, a sort of sub subtle level so there's a lot of work in this area which shows that over a period of time prescription practices will change i'm a patient i walk into the doctor's uh, clinic and uh, she or he then says this is the best medicine for you or the most appropriate medicine and uh, but like you mentioned a little while ago that sometimes they will push only that product. How am I supposed to know what is being given to me? Because we have a tremendous amount of faith in the doctor. Right. So, you know, uh, so the faith and trust in the doctor is, uh, is of course, an integral part of that relationship. And uh, obviously, there's a term, term in public health called information asymmetry. So, the doctor knows a lot and you don't... Uh, you really, as a patient, don't know much. Having said that, uh, today it is possible for you to, of course, easily go on the net, check what the drug is. By the way, there are good apps which tell you what are the costs, etc. And uh, you can even compare costs. There are doctors who prescribe, of course, a certain brand. So that's that's a big issue. And in fact, I must say that even in India, the, the, the government has tried to push the idea of uh, generic medicines, has tried to push the idea that doctors must only prescribe the, the generic name. Now, there is a small catch there, which is that if I prescribe a drug by the generic name, then perhaps the chemist decides what is the, what is the brand he or she will give. And it gets a little muddled there because, you know, in India, you have 10 companies or 15 companies, some of whom may be big, may be standard, some of whom may be not so standard, etc. So it's a little muddled area. Uh, but having said that, uh, ideally, uh, if you are a patient, uh, you must, you could easily counter check what the medication is. By the way, there's another reason to count it, know your medication because you need to know the side effects so that you can report them. So I think increased awareness uh, through uh, easy access on the net is is anyways can be is, is going to be a good idea whether your doctor is doing it in your best interest uh, i think it's a part of a larger relationship you have with the doctor so it's not just about the prescription but it's also about what you understand your doctor is doing what are the motives and okay here you know i think uh, the, the problem is that we too much focus on the, on the on the moral lens and i think morality and ethics is is important but i guess there are things running in the doctor's mind there are influences which he or she may control may not control which uh, often finally influence the prescription practices so uh, it's a tricky uh, area having said that uh, if you want to check what is the medicine what are the side effects what are the costs what are the brands it's it's possible to check 
But uh, Sanjay, one of the things is that uh, doctors discourage, uh, actively discourage people from going on the net and reading too much about a particular illness or a particular drug. So that's easier said than done, isn't it? I mean, I go and I check, is this a better uh, paracetamol, as simple as that, or uh, if it becomes really serious, a cancer drug. And uh, I've been, uh, I firstly on Google and the search engines, I'm going to get the extreme cases of what it can be. So isn't that easier said than done to go and check uh, the medication? Well, uh, yes and no. Uh, I am not one of those who believes that the patient should not uh, check on the net. Uh, I think there are good resources because, you know, anyways, you need to know uh, what that medication, what are the side effects, uh, etc. I, I think not not all doctors uh, will provide you with a list of side effects. So when to report, there are drug interactions, etc. So I think it's there is a strong case for people checking out on the net. Having said that, yes, if, if you overdo it and if you keep on going back to your doctor saying this is what I check, most doctors are not very welcoming of it. Personally, I don't think it's an issue as long as you're checking the right source. And by the way, on the net also, there are, there are good resources. It's not difficult to get good resources, uh, which are, I mean, I don't want to name them because I'll be accused of promoting some of them, but there are very high quality resources, which are pretty neutral which will tell you, uh, give you this information. Um, so, uh, you know, it is easier said than done. I agree, but it's time to start uh, doing it because I think patients, uh, individuals need to empower themselves, not just because they're suspicious of that particular doctor, not really, but because they also need to know about the, the medication they are taking for long and, uh, you know, what are its long-term effects, etc. Uh, so I would encourage it, actually. Is it possible that, uh, and I'm sure it is, but is it possible that uh, pricing gets affected because of these promotions and marketing budgets and uh, substandard or not as good as certain other medicines are pushed? Because, uh, as you said, there is a moral imperative. There is a not a moral imperative, but certainly it weighs on the doctor's mind. I went to on such and such conference. Uh, I partied with them. I got to hear a lot of things. They may get convinced. So does it happen that the, the medis medicine that is pushed because of aggressive marketing is somewhat not as good as the alternatives and whether the pricing also has an impact? Right. So there are two questions here. The first is whether the cost of the drug is uh, impacted by the marketing and promotion. Uh, yes, definitely yes, uh, because they, it, it gets incorporated in the budget of the pharma company and these budgets can be pretty high. Uh, so certainly yes. The second question is a little more uh, complicated, which is the pushing of substandard drug by promotion. Now, we need to be careful about the word uh, substandard. Because in India, especially, the uh, there are types, many types of brands of drugs. So the term generic in India, by the way, means something different from the, the term generic in other countries. So we have what are called as branded generic. So you have the, the original molecule of the company which launches it, which is often an MNC. MNC. And then there are Indian companies which... Uh, make the drug after some time. And there is a strong case, by the way, for 
Indian companies, smaller companies to make the drug because the costs come down. And by the way, we have the classic example of, let's say, the HIV medicines, which the costs usually came down when Indian companies, uh, uh, they, the, the drug got out of patent, patent laws, there were challenges to the patent laws and drugs became accessible and the costs went down. So substandard is about uh, uh, impurities, a lot of impurities about uh, bogus, uh, spurious drugs. Which is, uh, which is also a concern. Uh, but I think what we're largely discussing is cheaper, cheaper drugs, smaller companies, which may be as good. Uh, so I'm, I'm just saying that just because a drug is significantly cheaper than the, the known brand or the multinational brand, or the original brand does not make it substandard. And the reason I mention it is because a lot of doctors also seem to have this argument that, look, you are prescribing a cheaper drug, but how do you know that the quality is the same? I think it's a very uh, tricky argument. By the way, many big pharma companies in India actually outsource the production of the drug and then market it in under their name. So there is real that this, so this area is really, uh, you know, one needs to dissect it. And I think uh, clearly it does not true that if a drug is significantly cheaper, it is necessarily of poorer quality. That's a very dangerous logic logic in the in the pharma uh, pharma sector. So, where do you draw the line between a simple, you know, selling the idea of the drug? We've come out with this medi- medication. Why don't I tell you about it? Here are some pamphlets, or even a pen and a pad, and uh, something the other extreme. Where do you draw the line? Is yeah. there a middle ground? Because after all, as a doctor, I need to know what's good for my patients, isn't it? Yeah. So, yes, uh, the doctor needs to know when a new drug is launched. What is that drug? Uh, by the way, there are, uh, before I before I answer that, there are indi- good independent sources of knowing about new drugs. Uh, all of them available on the net, high quality sources. But be that as it may, uh, yes, one needs to know when a new drug is launched. Now, uh, what is, so look, a, a pharma representative visiting a doctor uh, is absolutely legitimate. Uh, for that matter, we need to actually treat them better. <laughs> we, our interactions with pharma reps are, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, we, we actually, I, I believe that we, we we don't treat them well in the sense we don't listen to them. Uh, we rather quickly wait for the pen and the pad. So we need to listen to what they are saying. Uh, they could give us a, a, a pamphlet. Yes, uh, they could give us references, some journal articles. Uh, they could even perhaps uh, give us a, a, a book which, which cites the new drugs use, etc. Now, that is perhaps legitimate. Uh, they could even approach a department or a, a medical association saying that, look, there is a new drug. We want to organize a CMV, CME and uh, we want doctors to attend it where we will get experts to talk about the drug. So this is, of course, uh, in the legitimate category. Anything beyond that is a slippery slope because you don't know where to stop. So you say, okay, where is the meeting? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you what happens in real life. So where is this meeting for the new, for new, new drug? So they'll say, no, no, it is in this five-star hotel on this Saturday night. So you say, oh, is it? Uh, what time is it? No, no. So there's dinner before that. There are a few drinks before that. And then we will. Now, this is where the, the slippery slope could begin. And unfortunately, and I must share this with you, that if this is what is done, the chances are 
that not everyone, of course, but there is a section who will come for largely for the dinner and the drinks. So I think the setting, the so it could, for example, the the same meeting could be in a in a hospital auditorium where okay, I mean, if you say that, we'll give you a cup of tea and coffee. Fair enough. So I think what some countries are doing is to actually lay down what is legitimate and what is not. There's actually list made in uh, in in for example, there's a there are codes being. Followed in the US, for example, saying that one, two, three, four is okay, but four, five, six, seven, it is not okay. Uh, and I think there's there's time for those codes. Now, by the way, there are codes. So the pharmaceutical, so the, the in in India, the uh, Department of uh, uh, Drugs and Cosmetics, uh, the uh, is has been toying uh, with a with what they call a voluntary code for pharma, and many pharma companies have actually come on board but it's a voluntary code so it's it's a it's a universal code for marketing practices which it's there it's available that it's it's been in circulation for some time but it's completely voluntary and there is no mechanism to monitor it and the current supreme court case actually which is interestingly filed by the medical representatives association the fmrai actually is suggesting to the supreme court to intervene and make it a uh, a statutory code with uh, inbuilt monitoring mechanisms and inbuilt. Uh, so, you know, there is there's one way of looking at it, which is that for good pharma and for good doctors uh, who don't want to get into these murky areas, if there is a, a clear cut code which lays all this down in the open, open way, it is actually beneficial to both parties to uh, stay above uh, the murky areas. And in fact, I would say there is a section of doctors. I don't want to hazard a guess how what proportion that is, and certainly also a section of pharma and pharma uh, executives have told me this that look if there is a code, we will be very happy because right now uh, we are almost extorted. And by the way, this term has been used by individuals with me, pharma individuals. They have said, "You guys, your associations extort money from us when it comes to meetings, etc." So I think this kind of a code. Uh, and we are hoping that the Supreme Court uh, looks at it. Uh, and that's where the famous Dolo case uh, hit the headlines because Justice Chandrachud, as you know, said, oh, I, this is not music to my ears because I took Dolo for uh, for when I had COVID. So uh, so I think uh, this is where the, the way to go. Go move from the moral side to, you know, look at a code of practice, uh, which is enforceable and which is monitored. We'll be right back after this short break. We know you love fast food. Fast fashion. Faster payment. Lightning fast internet speed. Then why not fast information? On Think Fast, where we discuss the latest developments in the world of technology, business, marketing, pop culture. With a side of sarcasm and my dad jokes. Not just mine. Not mine, Varun. My jokes are funny. So join me, guys, the funnier one, Suchita Salwan, co-founder of LBB. And me, Varun Dugirala, the co-founder of The Glitch, as we think fast only on the IBM network. Fresh episodes out every Wednesday. On the IBM app, website, or wherever you get your podcast from. Welcome back to the Wire Talks. Coming to doctors, I mean, you've spoken a lot about individual doctors, but there is also hospital buying, which is in bulk. And hospitals clearly tell the patient, you've got to buy the medicines right here. 
and uh, no secrets here the markups are phenomenal uh, which by the way they have already bought it in a, uh, at a discount so what have you seen where it comes to hospitals rather than just individual doctors because individual doctors if there are 10000 in bombay or in delhi or in chennai you got to go to each one of them and you fan out your staff how do hospitals operate right so here is uh, okay so this is of course i will have to be careful in what i say but look it's open knowledge as you said so clearly uh, the pharma companies sell bulk drugs to hospitals which is well below the mrp and all sorts of uh, discounts are offered again open secret uh, that significant discounts are offered to the hospitals so hospitals sell it for the mrp and make a tidy profit on it in fact and again if you talk to hospital owners they will admit this that the pharmacy is one of the biggest sources of income for the hospital but there's a problem there and what is the problem the problem is the hospital can't stock all the all the brands so they will stock a certain number of brands and again no secret that often the costliest or the, the brand where there is a massive profit margin for the hospital will be stocked it's it's the is the logic of business is the logic of profit having said that a patient and this has happened with me a patient of mine walks across the road from the hospital goes to a chemist shows that prescription the chemist says look the same drug is available for 2000 rupees less and i mean i'm actually giving you figures on certain antibiotics uh, costly antibiotics that it is 2000 or 1000 rupees less than per dose so he comes back to me and says why is it that the hospital is insisting that i must buy the drug from the hospital so i think uh, clearly here's a case of uh, is it unfair trade practice is it monopolization forget about uh, the the ethics of it but uh, is this an attempt to monopolize it is it is it uh, even cartelization because if i come to your hospital i get admitted to the hospital fair enough i'm paying you the money for the services that you are rendering and that's legitimate but why is it that i am being pushed to buy the medicine only from the hospital pharmacy i think that's a question which is which has come up many times examined but currently uh, it's this sort of working like a fait accompli till i think some court somewhere uh, will uh, hopefully <laughs> intervene here and say look this is not even by the standards of the profit logic even by the standards of uh, trade and business this is unfair trade practice i think that's what it should be looked at uh, tell me uh, are there doctors who just i mean it's a simple question but are there doctors who simply refuse to fall for this blandishments and yet study the drug and then decide what to give oh yes there are uh, i mean i don't want to venture into the sort of proportions and percentages but there are in fact uh, you know there are uh, by the way i know of individuals who actually hold meetings uh, again i won't name them because i don't know whether they would like to be named who but there is a very senior pediatrician in in uh, mumbai who has been holding meetings for years where he says that you have to pay for the meeting he says there will be no pharma involvement there'll be no frills he calls it a no frills meeting and actually he's a very good teacher and people attend the meeting so it is actually a bit of a myth that uh, you know you have to have necessarily have frills if the speaker is good if the person is going to give 
transmit good knowledge, people will attend. So there are individuals like that who have tried to uh, do it differently. Uh, there have been whistleblowers, by the way, in Indian uh, medicine, including a very senior pediatrician uh, who uh, blew the whistle on a huge professional organization because they tried to push him to promote a certain vaccine. And he went to a public on it and he was, of course, ostracized in the community, etc. So there are there have been individuals who have uh, who have uh, fought this out. But, you know, I want to also say that uh, what we are seeing in the last uh, last decade or so is actually, you know, there is a there is a feeling that commissions, cuts, incentivization is actually normal. And I think that feeling has come from the fact that if you look at the way healthcare has grown, uh, especially after liberalization, uh, it has grown, it has become so highly market financialized. Market medicine is financialized so much that all these things which we in the past, we would be a little outraged, have actually been normalized. And people are saying, look, you know, uh, we are a complete business. What is this, all this moral outrage about uh, prescriptions, etc.? So be it. Because everything is uh, coming at a price, everything is being incentivized. Uh, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, that's another territory. But I'm just saying that in the in a milieu where everything is incentivized, the act of a pharma company giving something to the doctor for as an inducement is actually sort of pales into insignificance in a sense uh, when you compare it with big hospitals and hospital chains regularly giving payouts to doctors to refer patients, etc. So I think uh, that's also a challenge. And I think clearly the what we started that, you know, it's, it's, this is about public health. And I, again, I'll go back to COVID. What happened in COVID? Uh, how, how were the prescriptions given? Uh, who benefited? You know, this, this is the first time in the history, by the way, Siddharth, that uh, hospital bills were actually scrutinized, right, by governments because they had put... Uh, put caps. And when hospital bills were scrutinized by a third party, people have been given money back. And, uh, you know, it was uh, shock and horror because, you know, when they studied the bills, they realized what's, what's going on. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a right time for intervention, not on a moral basis, but understanding that otherwise we are heading towards a healthcare system, which is it's slowly going, has gone berserk. And in healthcare, we cannot uh, afford this kind of, uh, you know, and we have, this is not the last pandemic and this is not the last time that we are going to have major crises. So uh, strong intervention is, uh, is necessary. Sanjay, a lot of your uh, work has been, uh, your writing has been on ethics and corruption. And I'm su- surprised you say that ethics don't always, uh, one should look beyond ethics and all that. What exactly are you trying to get at? Okay, so what I'm trying to get at is this. So the ethics uh, traditionally uh, takes a partly a moral lens to do good or what is good, etc. By the way, it clearly separates itself from law, right? So it says whatever is legal is a different issue. It's not about legal legality. It is about what is a good thing to do. Having said that, uh, the reason I specifically now talk about uh, going beyond the classic ethics is because ethics is actually supposed to be voluntary. So in India, for example, there is a there has been a Medical Council of India Ethics Code. And now the new National Medical Commission has come out with a code. It will soon get operationalized. I have been involved in uh, part of the code's uh, writing and it will get operationalized. 
but is it binding can people be punished and how many have been punished because the moment you say that this is a guideline this is a code this is self regulation who's going to regulate so if it's a bunch of doctors who's going to sit and say look is my colleague doing the right thing or wrong thing clearly there is often a conflict of interest and one of the things in india we really do not understand is that if you are going to push for ethical practice it cannot be done by doctors for themselves there's too much conflict of interest you know in in your field siddharth for example if you say that let's say media owners are going to sit together and uh, you know talk about a media ethics code and try to implement it it's it's something similar so you have to therefore have a diverse set of people who will patients representatives who will sit so you need to go beyond classical ethics look at uh, where there can be statutory so so moto investigations and of course uh, some kind of uh, uh, there, there is no question that unless there is some punishment uh, there is really so the nmc code for example which is coming up which is up there for everybody to see i was involved in a part of it where we try to look very hard on what what are the punishments and where is what can one do to dissuade the doctors from and very one very strong area here which again we seem to completely lack in india is professional peer critique so i think if professional organizations come clean on this and say look if this limit is crossed by one of our colleagues we will openly expose that person we will challenge that person we will uh, we could even suspend that person so professor so ethics relies a lot on uh, this kind of uh, thing which is where i say that there we need to go beyond because huge conflicts of interest now by the way uh, siddharth pharma in india is has is huge penetration now so remember there are now hospitals run by pharma companies right in which the state of gujarat there are big hospitals run by pharma companies now and uh, there is really no consideration for something like called conflict of interest there so pharma will run hospitals doctors will own hospitals uh, so where is the so there is this conflict of interest and when there is conflict of interest you don't just rely on a moral code you actually have external intervention that will that will be that 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 may be effective so is it correct to say that one as a patient as a consumer uh, that things are only going to get worse because of the privatization because of government withdrawing or government hospitals just not being up to the mark do you think things are going to get worse in india so look it uh, it uh, partly depends on whose perspective you are looking at it from uh, for of course for, like many other things in life uh, for those of us who are uh, privileged uh, things may not get that bad because we have access to private medicine but for the large section of people yes it's already got worse but even for the middle and the upper middle class for that matter the the real well to do who can buy healthcare it, things are beginning to pinch and it happened in covid again uh, because people had to rush to hospitals they got these bills which were full of uh, all kinds of uh, you know headings etc so i think things uh, unfortunately this is the way we are going there is a inevitable fallout of uh, privatization and mind you uh, this is not the standard privatization we are talking of india is a private healthcare system for last four decades let's accept that right from independence we are now talking of global capital we are talking of hospital chains 
So we are talking of big money with big influence. And this is not historically the way healthcare has delivered in many countries. The Europe has been extremely uh, clever and smart on this issue. They are some of the most privatized economies of the world have completely kept away healthcare and education from, from the markets. On the other hand, the US, which very often people say is an example of highly privatized. Well, actually, people forget that it's heavily regulated. The American healthcare system could be heavily privatized, but extremely regulated. So if, if the line is crossed, punishments are quite severe. So we are peculiar. We have imitated, trying to imitate the US when we had the prescription of the NHS from the, from the, that was a British legacy and the Bore committee. We did not do that. But we are imitating the US without the regulatory apparatus. Only. And that's the disaster. And that's, that's where I think we are heading towards an extremely unregulated uh, scenario with increasing aspirations of people. I mean, why not? People want better healthcare. People want to be, to get into inverted commas, world-class healthcare. And, and of course, they should demand it. But then if, if it is, it works, operates in this, in the scenario of uh, not just a privatized system, but an unregulated system, then this is a concoction which is likely to be deadly. I think there is a growing recognition from governments, from political parties, from consumer, from, from courts that look, this cannot go on like this. COVID has been a rude, rude reminder. And one is hoping that uh, that one learns something that healthcare is not, uh, you cannot monetize and financialize healthcare beyond the limit. You can only do it at the peril of your, of your own health. So uh, I think there are two parallel things happening. On one hand, we are moving towards extremely monetized healthcare. But on the other hand, there is a growing recognition and these two forces, uh, how they will play out will depend on the political will of governments, you know, finally. Thank you, Sanjay. That is a hopeful note to end on. Maybe a combination of government policies, medical associations and the courts will one day bring about regulation that will ultimately benefit the Indian patient. As we saw during COVID, patients were getting huge bills from hospitals, which were then reversed thanks to the outrage from people and pressure from the governments. That was Dr. Sanjay Nagral, who has written books and articles about medical ethics and corruption in the industry, talking about how doctors and the medical community at large are wooed by pharma companies with extravagant incentives and the ethics of it all. We'll be back again next week with another guest. Till then, from me, Siddharth Bhatia, and the rest of the Wire Talks team, goodbye. You can check out this podcast and other interesting ones on the Wire website, the IVM podcast website, app, or wherever else that you get your podcasts. Goodbye from me, Siddharth Bhatia, and the Wire Talks podcast team. Hello, hello, hello. It's been another great week on the IVM Podcast Network. On Pesa Vesa, Anupam talks to Rajiv Shastri. He's the director and CEO of NJ Mutual Funds, and they discuss direct versus regular investing and its risks and rewards. On the Filter Coffee Podcast, Karthik talks to Pallavi Agarwal, founder and CEO of GoStops, about hostel culture in India. On Smarter with Sid, Siddharth elaborates on the benefits of learning a new language. On Cock and Bull, Cyrus Sriram Naveen and Kajal commemorate Pluto Demotion Day by deciphering some cosmic trivia. 
And on the wire talks with our talks to Seema Chishti about her book, Sumitra and her niece, Tales and Recipes from a Kishri Family. Hey, everybody, as you know, we've been beating the horse for merchandise. And, you know, you should go and get it now before we refresh our collections. And what's there right now won't be available forever. So go get it now. You can go to ivmpodcast.com, go click on the store link, and you'll be able to find the store. Or go to beyondfollow.com slash IVM, and you can go directly over there and pick up the merchandise. Also, remember, if you're following this show or any of our other shows for that matter, please do tell a friend. Social media helps, but not as much of word of mouth. But if you're a social media fellow, then go to our IVM podcast handle on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn and follow us there. Also, please do remember to check out all of our different YouTube channels. We have a ton of them now. You can go to ivmpodcast.com slash YouTube, where we maintain a list of all of these channels. And finally, we'd like to thank our sponsors for this week, TransUnion Civil, Boat Lifestyle, Checkpoint Software, Small Case, and Intel vPro. Thank you so much for making this possible. सफर रास्ते मंजिल और मुकाम अक्सर ये हमसे कुछ कहना चाहते हैं पर हम हैं कि अपनी रोजमर्रा की जिंदगी में इन्हें सुनने से कतराते हैं नमस्ते दोस्तों मेरा नाम है केशव चतुर्वेदी और मैं आपको ले चलूंगा कुछ ऐसे सफर पर जहां आपको एक नया नजरिया मिलेगा सफर और मंजिलों को देखने का आइए इन किस्से कहानियों में डूब जाए हर मंगलवार और शुक्रवार 